Man, I feel good today. I don't know why I could just stand up here and not say anything. Just look at you beautiful faces all day long. Although I've got several hundred here I can look at, and you only got one you can look at, so I'll, I'll, I'll continue here today. There's a story in a passage in Romans, the ninth chapter and the twelfth verse, that puzzles me, and I've, I've studied it, turned it inside and out, and looked it over, and trying to come to some conclusion on the what I would consider very bold and haste uh, choice of words that come out of this passage. Paul is the writer, and he simply says, it was said unto her, which is Rebecca, said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. And as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, for the longest time, I struggled with this. Because Paul is here referring to a story of twin boys that was born of Isaac. The story happened to be about 2,000 years prior to his writings. A thought to ponder for me was what makes this story so important that Paul would bring it up again 2,000 years later? The more I thought about it, if it's that important, maybe I should find why I should bring it up 4,000 years later. Because what in this story and what is it that is in this story that is so important? Before I go on, I want to say today that I believe that God has a word for somebody specifically. And please bear with me because I believe before this day's over, you're going to understand how valuable you are to God's plan. Because if you felt any, at any time like I have felt, there have been times when I didn't feel like I fit in. Or that my presence was necessary. And it was trivial or trite. And there are times when I didn't fit the crowd but I definitely fit with the Spirit. Because the Spirit is not generated by the crowd. The Spirit comes through the revelation of an individual's perception and revelation that they have of that Spirit, which is Christ Jesus. So I'm trying to figure out what Paul is writing about and Kind of going back 2,000 years prior to it, Isaac, many of you know, I just preached on this and talked about this just a few weeks ago, that Isaac was of a divine conception because Sarah was 90 years old and Abraham was 100. They were past their years and they tried to have a child but could not have a child until the handmaid gave a child to Abraham by law so he could do that. But yet they produced an Ishmael, which Ishmael was not the promised child because you cannot create your own promise. 
It doesn't matter how you fabricate it. It doesn't matter what kind of songs you sing and what kind of worship you have. It doesn't matter what kind of preaching there is. There has to be a divine move of God in order for us to receive what the Lord wants to birth in us that does not come from man's hands but only comes from the Spirit of God. So Isaac now is grown, and he has his own wife by the name of Rebecca. But it's interesting because in Genesis 25, 21, it says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was also barren. It's kind of a theme here. Is that not only has Isaac come from a womb that's barren, but now he's showing us that even his wife is barren and it has to have, in order for it to produce what God intends for it to produce, there has to be a miracle here. Because if it's something that we can accomplish with our own ability, then we will earn the credit for ourselves. But when God shows up and begins to do a work among us, then he's going to do something that you can't take credit for. Someone asked me not long ago, well, Pastor, why is it that you're not seeing uh, miracles like blind eyes being opened, deaf ears being unstopped, and so on, etc.? And I said, don't miss your point here, because the greatest miracles are not the miracles of the flesh. The greatest miracles is when someone is saved. That's why the Bible doesn't say the angels in heaven rejoice when you receive your eyesight, and it doesn't say when you were lame and you walk again, all the angels in heaven rejoice. No, they say all the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to Christ and comes unto repentance. She was barren. And so he said that the Lord was entreated of him, meaning God heard his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Just like Isaac, his twin sons, would come of a miracle conception. But interesting. Now this is where I get in my own head things that I try to ponder but, and think about. But unlike Isaac, there would be two, not just one, which created a concerning outcome. She was going to have twins. Now it's not just going to land on one child, but this promise is, looks like it's going to come through two. But just because it looks like it's going to come in multiple ways, remember, there's still only one Lord. That just because they say they're of Christ does not mean that they are of Christ. Now, stay with me for a moment. I'll come back to that in just a moment because I want you to remember, everybody say two. And then in the 22nd verse of Genesis 25, it says, And the children, the two, struggled together with her, within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. She says, Lord, there, there, there are two inside of me, but there's a struggle going on within my womb. And she's asking the question, why? And the Lord then begins to reveal to her in the 23rd verse, And the Lord said unto her, there are two nations that are in your womb. 
and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. This don't make sense because, because according to the law, it has always been and always should be, the younger shall serve the elder brother. But here, he's saying the older brother is going to have to serve the younger. But the law is clear that the older brother is the one that was to receive the birthright. Twenty-fifth verse. And the first came out red after they she was ready to conceive and bring forth. It says, The first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name, it must say Esau. 26th verse, and after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. Now the real question is, what was Jacob trying to hold on to when he was not entitled to the birthright? I almost missed it. And this is where I come to where I want you to understand how important you are. Because if you go back to the 23rd verse, the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Get it? The elder shall serve the younger. Jacob didn't have the birthright. He only had, here it is, my title, just a promise. Esau was born with the birthright, but Jacob was the one that was born with a promise. I may not be born with the right, the right, the right, the birthright, the birthright, right, the birthright, but there's one thing I know. I'm born with a promise. See, because the promise is greater than the birthright. Oh, you got to get what I'm preaching today. Because some people that believe that because they're raised in the church and because they're around the church or because they hold a position in the church that they have the right. But he says, I'm not looking for people that hold the right. I'm looking for someone that says, I have a promise. I may not belong here, but I have a promise. I, I may not have been born into this, but I have a promise. I might not have had all of the things that, that the church can offer, but that's one thing I have. I have a promise. I come from drugs, but I have a promise. I came from a broken home, but I have a promise. I, I've come through a lot of struggles in my life, but this one thing I have, I might not have everything everybody else has, but I have this one thing. I have a somebody got to get what I'm preaching right now because you're not entitled to anything. All you got is a promise. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how little you are. I don't care where you come from. You have a promise. Amen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about anything else other than your pursuit of your promise. Just a promise. 
Never underestimate just a promise. Because the promise is stronger than the birthright. That's why, if you want to know why we are what we are, you'll find it in Acts 2, 39. It says, for the, for the, for the is unto you and your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I might not have a right to this, but I have a promise for this. Amen. I didn't just come today so that I can hold on and take control of the things that have been given to me, but I've come to surrender myself to a promise that God wants to give to me. For this promise is unto you and to your children. <laughs> I want you to get this. In Galatians, the third chapter, in the 16th verse. Now to Abraham and his seed were the what? Were the what? Promises made. He saith not, and to seeds. In other words, he didn't say seeds. He said Seed. Everybody say seed. Everybody say singular. Not many, but of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. That's the only promise I have. I don't get it from a preacher. I don't get this from mom and dad. I don't get this from a televangelist. I don't give him a thousand dollars and he says, you plant this seed? Because he didn't say seeds. He said there's only one way. There's only one seed. There's only one salvation. There's only one savior. There's only one redemptive plan. And that is Jesus Christ is the answer for all humanity. If you want something that's going to last, you better find this Jesus Christ for yourself. And the promise is unto you. And to your children, and as many that are far off. <laughs> I only have one promise. Jesus is my promise. But he says also in Matthew, the third chapter, the ninth verse, he says, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Now he begins to define the difference between who is of Abraham's seed and who is not. Because here he's saying you can be physically connected and never understand how to be connected spiritually. You can physically come to church. Oh, I'm going to preach now. And never understand that there's more to this than just being connected to the body of Christ physically. 
Because the true connection is not physically being connected, but spiritually being connected. So when we come to the house of God, we don't gather our own idea of what the church is. Why? Because we understand it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when we come in harmony with Christ and we come into agreement, I may not like what you wear. I may not like your hairdo. You might not like my suit and you may not like my tie. But there's one thing I can tell you that when we come into the unity of the spirit we are then exercising the promise that God not only gave to Jacob and Esau but he's given it to us and we must choose the difference between what is physical and what is supernatural there is a power of God that is coming to this place right now and you can either choose to receive the things the spirit wants to accomplish or you can say I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy the songs and enjoy the people and go home unchanged somebody shout hallelujah he said, just because you have the DNA of your forefathers doesn't mean that you fit into the spiritual side of God's promise. I was raised in the church. But I got to the age where I realized, you know what? Mom and dad can't do it for me. And I realized I don't have any privileges outside of anybody else. If I'm going to live for God, i got to live for God on my own. I mean, we need to start teaching our children that. Amen. If they're old enough to, to talk back and sin, then you need to teach them they're old enough to get down to the altar and pray and repent of their sins. Come on, somebody help me now. Amen. you got to get your kids weaned from you making the decisions all the time. Because you're not the one that can say, oh, it's okay. No, 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 no. You need to make sure your kids understand that there is a God in heaven who is looking for everyone to make a choice to pursue the promise for themselves. I'm talking about kids that are of accountability, they need to know what it's about to go to the altar. Can I talk a little while? Is this all right? Amen. While you're coming to church and husband and wife are getting into it. Your kids are in the back seat seeing it all. You know what their kids need what your kids need to see when you come to church? Walking down, finding a place of prayer with your family and your kids, saying, I'm gonna look for the promise. So your kids understand. That the value is that we're going to be human, but at the same time, the value is that I can always go down and seek for that promise and know that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's how I know if you're listening. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Hey, maybe you are listening. But he says, God is able of these stones to raise up children under Abraham. He's simply saying the stones are worth more than 
You're privileged because you're of Abraham's seed. Well, I'm privileged. Do you know who I am? I got a funny story on this one. Corey. Of course. <laughs> I used to be the youth president. We do camps. We had a snack bar. And that they had candy, they had sodas, they had popcorn. In that in that little snack bar, they had all kinds of things that any little kid would want. So because I was youth president, Corey walks up, snack bar, looks at all of them. Do you know who I am? Yeah, Corey, we know you're here because you've been here for the last three days eating us out of profit. He said, well, my dad's the youth president, and he says I can get anything I want. Guess what? I had to sit my son down and tell him, hey, son, just because your daddy's a youth president doesn't give you privileges. That's what Jesus was trying to tell him. Just because Abraham is your forefathers doesn't mean you're entitled to privileges outside of promise. Well, I'm privileged. No, 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 no. Many people have asked me, this is a different church, and they ask me, Pastor, what is it you do and what is going on? And how is it happening? And I simply said that we are growing a church on normal. We're not weird. We're not like at a restaurant and somebody wants prayer and all of a sudden. And they're looking at you like, what just happened? What just happened? What just happened? No, I'm, I'm, and I'm not trying to be funny here, but I'm trying to tell you that the world is looking for something that they can understand. And just because those people act that way doesn't mean by their privilege they're just acting that way simply because they're trying to be super spiritual. He's not looking for super spiritual people. He's looking for people that seek after the promise of God. So when you're seeking for the promise, you will always find the Spirit in everything you do. Because the Spirit won't push the world away. It will draw the world in. So when they ask, what are you doing in your church? I said, well, I want the people to know I'm just robbed. I'm normal. I don't tell them that I never do this and I never do that. No, I've got issues just like you have issues and I have problems just like you have problems. And I know it's only by the grace and the mercy of God. And I every day when my feet hit the floor, I look for the promise of God. And I realize that Rob is not any better than you. I don't have privileges over you. I don't have anything more than you. I'm just a man standing in leather shoes saying, God, if you can save anybody, save me. I want your promise. I don't want to just say because I'm associated to the church and because I go to the church and because I'm the pastor that I get privileges. No! You got to look for the privilege of the the promise not because you want privileges 
that are of the physical seed. Hallelujah. Just normal. Just normal. The Spirit does not show itself unseemly. The, the Spirit shows people what is real. It doesn't draw attention to you. It draws attention to the Spirit. The Spirit begins to move. It moves together as the body of Christ in a service, but it also moves in a way that doesn't push people away, but they can see that you're just like they are, other than by the grace of God, you are saved. not privileged just because he's saying you're of Abraham's seed are we not yeah you are but you're missing the point therefore you're missing the promise Mm -hmm. this passage though Matthew 3 9 is really the story of Israel but also Israel is a type of the body of Christ. And he's saying to Israel, and those that say, are we not of Abraham's seed? He's saying to them, you have the birthright, but you do not have the passion to pursue the promise. You have the birthright, but you don't have really in your heart the desire to pursue the promise. Simply saying, even to Israel, if you don't want it, I have me a Gentile people that do. And just because you're born with the right doesn't mean you have the heart for the promise. You can have the birthright and still never get a hold of the promise. Now, can I talk a little longer? I, I, got, I got to get this out here today. Is that all right? All right. He's sleepy, hungry, ready to go home, take a nap, nap. <laughs> Let's go back. Just like Isaac, his twin sons would be of a miracle conception. But as I've said, let me reiterate, but unlike Isaac, there were two, not just one, which created concern and creates a concern of the outcome. There's two things I want to point out, and there was two. Two things. This points out two types of people that are exposed to the promise. Number one, there are those who want the promise and will do anything to pursue the promise. The other is those who are casual and will take for granted the promise. Around it, but not in it. So he's simply saying to them, if you don't want it, there's always somebody else that does. See, because in this story, and this is where I have questions and I need to have answers for it, and that is that Esau who was the eldest, he was the one that by law should have received the birthright. But as you and I know, the law has never saved 
you or I in this new dispensation, which is called the New Testament. Whereas the difference between Esau, he's willing to sell it. Jacob pursues just a promise. And he pursues it with everything that is in him. He's ready to pick up a promise that his brother does not want. If you don't want it, I want it. The blessings are here, but if you don't want it, I'll take it. The Lord is in this house seeking and looking for those he can bless. And if, if, if you don't want it, I'll, I'll take it right now. I'll take it. Healing, I believe, is here, but if, if you don't want it, I'll take it. Deliverance is here, but if you don't want it, I'll take it. The sovereign hand of God is here, but if you don't want the touch, I will take the touch of the master's hand. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's why he says the promise is present in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. How? In the what? Name of what? Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He was saying to them that you don't understand the value of the promise. Because that's all you have. You're still working on the seed part when he's working on the birthing part. Being born again. You think this birth is going to come through the seed of Abraham. But the birth is going to come through a woman who is a virgin. And her name is Mary. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. Thank you, Brother Regal, for that today. Emmanuel. God with us. Here's what I, I want you to understand. They're worried about the physical side. But here's how I see it. God took on the flesh and was born into flesh so that we could be born out of flesh. See, they couldn't get out of the flesh they couldn't see anything other than the law. And he says, no, I'm going to step into a body and my plan and my purpose is going to get you out of your flesh. This is what he is saying. The promise is not birthed through the seed physically, but through the plan of God spiritually. And he says, when you get this, you will understand you will understand the value of the promise over the value of a birthright. Esau have I hated, but Jacob have I loved. I want to break this down, and I'm not going to take much more time. In fact, if you want to come and just play quietly for, for pastor, I appreciate it. Esau was so 
wrapped up in what he wanted for his physical being that when he comes into the house and sees Jacob fixing food and has I'll just call it a little bowl of soup sitting on the table perhaps for him and his mother but as soon as Esau walks in he says hey man can I have some of that this was the first test for Esau first test the first test to figure out what kind of choice he was going to make Jacob said no you can't have any oh come on bro I'm your brother we're twins no you can't have it Jacob was deceptive he was deceiving his brother but there was one thing he still had a promise and in his deception he continued to say no no you cannot have this bowl of soup unless you're willing to strike a deal with me some of you need to hear this And Jacob told him, he said, if you will give me your birthright, I'll give you something to eat. This was the first test to see how important the birthright was to Esau. Because reality was the birthright should have come through or excuse me, the promise should have come through the birthright. But no longer would it come that way. Because Esau was put into a precarious place and having to make a decision, he simply looks at Jacob and says, okay, man, I'm so hungry right now, I'll do anything. I'll do just about do anything. And some of you need to hear this because you're just about willing to do anything to get what you want. I have watched young ladies give themselves to boys that are not in the church that those girls were really in the church and they gave themselves to these young men because what was going on in the house of God wasn't as important as that boy because their birthright was given away. I've watched people backslide and walk away from God because somebody hurt them because their birthright wasn't any more important than the pain that they had to go through. I'm glad, I'm glad Jesus didn't quit on us because of that pain. So Esau now is finding himself at the crossroads having to figure out what he's going to do and he makes that decision. That fatal decision. That decision he should have never made. He gives Jacob his birthright. And he sits down until his stomach is full. I don't know, I'm just assuming, but maybe he, he thought to himself, I've made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. But all the while, Esau is eating 
that bowl of soup, Jacob, simply standing on a promise. Even though he wasn't right, even though he was deceptive, he had something in his heart that his brother didn't have. So now he's picking up the promise that his brother didn't want. So he's saying, if you don't want it, I'll take it. But he wasn't just happy with the birthright, birthright because he wanted the blessing that would come with the birthright. So when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim. And that's when Esau was in the room and Isaac said to Esau, I said, I want you to go out. Give me some venison that I may eat. Once I'm done eating this venison, I want to bless you before I die. He goes out, Esau does, and that's when Jacob walks into the room. His mother helped him put hair and garments and probably even perhaps put on something that his brother owned so that he'd smell like Esau. He goes in to his father because now he doesn't just want the birthright, he wants the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. While he's in the room with his father alone, his father, he says, oh, you, you, you kind of sound like Jacob. But as he touches him, he says, well, you, you feel like and you smell like and everything about you seems to be Esau. So he gave him the blessing even under deception. Now, this is where I struggle with all this. How is it then that you can love Jacob and hate Esau? <laughs> this is where I really struggled because I, I didn't understand that there is so much more to this than just the human error of Jacob. Something more to this. Something deeper than this. There's something bigger than your problems to all of this. So Jacob deceives his father Isaac simply on the basis of all I have is a promise. But now he's not satisfied with just the birthright and the blessing from his father, but he wants the acknowledgement from God. I can to turn in my mind where I could understand now why the Lord loved Jacob because he would rather put up with a sinner than a casual saint because he's saying Esau you're fooling yourself yourself 
And I'd rather take someone in deception and someone who's got a past that's all messed up and you're messed up in your mind psychologically and really don't make good decisions. But the Lord is showing us that, listen, all you have is a promise. And if you pursue that promise, God will put up more with you than he will a casual Christian. So many of you know the story because I've preached this from different, different angles. But one night, Jacob's on a journey. He's got the blessing of his father. He's got the birthright. But the one thing he wants, he wants something from God that he has not yet received. If you was Jacob and he was here today, he would be the one that would come into this service saying, look, I've done everything wrong you can imagine. But I'm not going to let that stop me because I know all I have is just a promise. So while Jacob is on his journey there's an angel that comes and the words that were exchanged created a confrontation in Jacob and Jacob took a hold of that angel and began to fight him the Bible says they fought all night long all night long. I remember those kind of church services. You remember those, Brother Hawk, when we go sometimes to midnight and you're like, is anybody ready to go home yet? Especially the pastor because he's the one wanting to turn the lights off. Hasn't anybody gone home yet? But he's fighting this angel with great passion. You can hear the, the, the swinging of the fist and the grunts as they're being punched and and you can smell the dust as it would rise from the feet as they hit the ground. And man, they're fighting. You'd hear a, hear a, a crack as uh, the angel would take one across his chin and all of this. And finally, the angel says, man, aren't you getting tired of this? Let me go for the day breaketh or the day is coming. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And that's when the angel said, let me go. I will not let you go. He said, the day breaketh. I will not let you go. I remember the days when we had tarry for hours and say, God, I'm going to stay here until I feel you and you touch me and I'm blessed or I get through or I pray through the circumstances I'm in. And while that angel is fighting Jacob and Jacob's fighting this angel, I will not let you go. And I can hear every once in a while in the confrontation, I can hear Jacob say, all I have is just a promise, just a promise. Whoa, just a promise. Let me go. Just a promise. Just a promise. That's all I have. I don't have a right to be here. Just a promise. And at that moment, the angel says, 
let me go. And he said, I will not let you go. And that angel touches the hollow of his thigh. Immediately, he's limping. He said, no longer are you going to be called Jacob, which is Sir Planner, but you shall be called Israel, Prince of God. At the moment, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and he heard the voice of the angel. Then it come to, and then Jacob come to realize what it was all about from the struggle in the womb, the grabbing of his brother's heel, buying the birthright with a bowl of soup, blessing coming from his father, fighting the angel. No longer is it going to be supplanter, but now you are a prince with God. All I had was a promise, and now here I stand as a prince with God. In conclusion today, some of you have come here today with very little to offer. But he's not looking for what you offer. He's looking for what he has offered. So what little you might have is only a promise. But if I could just get somebody to come on into the unity of what I'm speaking right now and say, I don't have anything. I'm at my wit's end. Man, I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know where to turn. My marriage is falling apart. I'm getting ready to lose my job. My house is going to go into foreclosure. My car just broke down and my dog just died. What am I going to do? I can hear the voice of God said, Louie, before you was ever born, I had a promise for you. Have you forgotten that I have a reason for you to be born? And all the while, you have been in pursuit of those things that you know God has promised to you. But I am declaring here today that the promise is standing right in front of you. And how has it been uh, sung in a song that promise is coming down the dusty road? That promise is Jesus Christ. And it's not the seed of man, but it's by the divine order of God's plan, by a divine conception that was not only given to Isaac and not only given to Abraham, but it's also given to us here today so that while God stepped into the flesh he did that so that he could birth us out of the flesh I just wonder if any of you will really understand your value that you can be born again let's all stand with just a promise you can be born again with just a promise just a promise just